0: Hey, what's up boys and girls? James Zubry here and Maddie Leg with the Fibre Performance Podcast. Today, we're going to be ripping into some amazing things from all around the world, some sick ingredients that are going to turbocharge your lifestyle um, and just maximize how much you get out of the gym and out of yourself. Today's podcast is just going to be me and Maddie, but it's going to be pretty in-depth on some really cool biology that we're really stoked about talking about. Matt's been diving deep on this stuff for the last handful of years, but more more uh, intensely in the last uh, probably 12 months or so. This stuff is pretty cool. It's pretty amazing. Um, we're going to rip straight in. So this is the Fibre Performance Podcast episode number 16 coming at you from Burley, Gold Coast, Australia. Here we go. Maddie. let's rip in.
1: You. All right. Well, that was a big, big intro. Now I feel a lot of pressure, actually. But no, no, I have been excited. I've been texting him the Eureka sort of things in the middle of the night and printing off papers for James to read. Going, oh, you got to read this. It's so exciting. And I realize a lot of people don't see the same level of excitement as I do in some of these boring PDF papers. But man, it is full on when you get your head around some of the concepts. So like... One of the things that I've been working on for a while, like I've been a naturopath for 25 years and I've been obsessed with the holistic aspect of being a naturopath. You know, we know that you need the right combinations of a good healthy lifestyle that includes good routine, good exercise, good living with a good diet. And you also need a good microbiome to work with your genetics. And the old word, we used to call that holistic medicine, but the new word for that is epigenetics. Um, And the actual end result of that is our epigenetic expression, which basically decides who's going to be amazing and who's going to be sick. Um, It's quite an interesting concept because we realise that you could have a great diet, but if you've got a crappy lifestyle and you've got the wrong gut bugs, it just doesn't work for you. Vice versa, you could be supplementing with everything that you want, but if you'd have the wrong lifestyle and you don't have the good microbiome to convert it properly, it just simply doesn't work. Then we also realise that there's key features in regards to high performing individuals, you know, like athletes and successful entrepreneurs, people that are killing it in life. They tend to have these certain sort of profiles around them, certain habits or certain microorganisms, certain foods in their diet. And we all often pick and choose which ones are those we want to apply to our life and hopefully get the same results. But it's it's the holistic picture. Now, What makes me so excited about that is when you're looking at a holistic picture, it's all like a big mind map. And when you find a missing link in this mind map, when you find, I I couldn't work out how that happened, and when that science catches up to explain one of those things, you have your most amazing eureka moments. So for example, with the microbiome, for years we've been looking at different strains of probiotics that we see in healthy people. And we had the assumption that if we supplement that probiotic, then everyone's going to be as healthy as that person that had that bug. But we worked out it's not that simple. You're still going to have the lifestyle and the diet to support that bug survival. And we don't even know if the probiotics are even going to work usually in regards to seeding. So then we worked out is, how does someone get the benefit from a healthy lifestyle with a healthy gut and a healthy diet? And it's through the metabolites that are made by the microbiome when they feed on certain foods in a certain environment. So this is where it gets a bit complicated because what we need to do is make sure that we're actually creating the right metabolites. Because at the end of the day, if you don't have the bugs, but you're eating the right food and doing the right lifestyle, you can't make those metabolites, which is why when you're doing the training, you're just not hitting the same levels as an elite athlete might, that might have this right combination it's definitely not about genetics. I mean, our genetics are only making up a couple of percent of the whole story. Um, we got 22,000 genes, our microbiome is 3.3 million genes, straight up. There's more genetic material from other bugs than us. So don't blame your genetics, it's the combination. Now, one of the things that I discovered when trying to piece this all together was I started analyzing the metabolites made by the microbiome and how they benefit the athlete or the people. And was there a way that we could kind of cut to the chase and supply those postbiotic metabolites directly and give you the same benefits? And so that's where I got really excited because we found some of these postbiotic metabolites are things like these things called short chain fatty acids. So short chain fatty acids are like um, energy molecules that are kind of made out of fiber, but they're energy. Nutrients for the microbiome, they're direct energy for your gut mucosa. Like, if you can imagine, your gut lining is totally covered in bugs. All the food that everything that your gut lining needs to be healthy and good is going to be in the food directly, so it doesn't need to go take it out of your bloodstream as such. So, the gut wall feeds directly from the microbiome supplying nutrients directly to that gut wall and that's where these short chain fatty acids are so amazing is that is the fuel for the gut for the micro for the cells the mitochondria of the tissues that build your gut lining yeah and those same compounds are not just supplied directly to the intestinal mucosa and all quenched there and used up there but they have a systemic effect they're also released systemically And what they're finding is some of these short chain fatty acids, in particular, one that I'm excited about is butyrate. Butyrate is brilliant because it actually stimulates a lot of energy production in the mitochondria. It helps mitochondria energy warehouse of every cell. It's a direct fuel. So yeah, the gut lining needs that to do all the gut lining things. But our whole body needs it. Our liver needs it to process toxins and everything like that. Um, Our muscle cells need it. Our brain, it's our preferred source of fuel in our brain. And this is how. We're finding the links between the gut-brain axis, the gut-muscle axis, the gut-liver axis, and we're finding a gut-immune axis, um, gut inflammation and antioxidant pathways. These short-chain fatty acids are driving most of those processes. Yeah. And now, it's super interesting. It is, hey, because, and this is when they go back then and say, oh, our biggest deficiency in our diet is the fiber, um, because the fiber is what ferments and converts into short-chain fatty acids. And then those short-chain fatty acids are released through the bloodstream and have an anti-inflammatory effect or antioxidant effect, which is how fiber can prevent heart disease. That's how they do it. And then they talk about fiber preventing bowel problems and inflammatory bowel conditions. Again, the same way, the fiber converts to butyrate. And the butyrate does those things. Interesting. If you don't have the right gut bugs and you're eating the right fiber, you don't make the butyrate. And that's what they're actually finding in people with inflammatory bowel disease, colonic disorders, and that sort of stuff. As an athlete, what also happens is you travel a lot, you have a lot of stress, you're taking supplements, your food may vary, stuff like that. But there are also big times where you're exposed to lots of stress in regards to inflammation, heat shock, um, even altitude stuff, um, stress itself, all of those sort of things will actually shut down the requirement for your gut to function, to fuel basically the muscles and brain. And in that instance, it'll actually take these short chain fatty acids, say, don't bother building up a healthy gut wall right now. We're going to f- flood the bloodstream with us and this, use this as fuels and still have enough there to quench the gut lining and protect it. You know. So what I've found fascinating about short chain fatty acids is there's a whole heap of data where they've supplemented them directly to see if It compensates or if it works for the people that aren't capable of making it, and it works brilliantly. And it doesn't have any of those bad side effects or negativity in the sense that it's something that your gut microbiome would normally make, it's something that's made from fiber, it's something that's found in butter and ghee and cheese and a lot of other compounds where these um, compounds were made and you know inside the food. So, food. so you'll find. Butyrates are naturally occurring in lots of foods, even some fermented foods and that sort of stuff that's made from the fiber. But otherwise, we're constantly making in our gut if we've got the right gut bugs and we've got the right fiber coming
0: through. Interesting. Yeah. And so we're still capable of utilizing, say, if if we were to orally take, say, short-chain fatty acids, Yeah. we can, even if we don't have the gut bugs that would typically create them, we can still utilize and put them into our bloodstream, utilise them in our brain, we can yeah. increase immunity and do all these really cool things that we would have not been able to do otherwise if we can take them on. And if that's the case, what type of is, is butyrate the one compound or the one molecule or do we have multiple?
1: Well so with butyrate, the problem is with butyrates, when we make it through fermentation, they're usually made in the lower part of the intestine. So to take them orally through the top, that's only certain foods do that. So what normally would happen is we use a thing like tributyrin. Well they do either sodium butyrate or tributyrin. Tributyrin I like better because what tributyrin is is they've basically bonded three butyrate molecules through to a fatty acid molecule and it allows it to get further down the digestive tract before being liberated, wow. which means you get more of the butyrate that's available for the colonic mucosa and healing up that gut wall, preventing leaky gut wall and that sort of stuff, um, and supporting that initial first line of defense. And then you'll still get a certain amount being absorbed and having a systemic effect. The sodium butyrate, it's a little bit shorter acting, um, also tastes terrible uh, (laughs) because short chain fatty acids, you know, they're made through bacterial fermentation. I mean, they're the compounds in farts, so you can't expect them to taste fantastic. (laughs) But when you combine them into a tributarin, you're offsetting that flavor profile and allowing it to move further down in your gut so you get better compliance. Plus, they do a lot more. I think it's more stable as well because when they, a lot of the animal studies, for example, you know, with livestock and that sort of stuff. So when they've done studies on cattle and horses, sheep and that sort of stuff. These are animals that are out exposed to the elements with a certain amount of feed. Um, and at the end of the day, they're trying to make sure that they stay healthy long enough so that they maintain and build good muscle and bulk up, mm. you know, before mm. they go to market. Mm. Terrible sounding story. But when they add tributrin to their feedlot, it actually makes them healthier. So they're the sort of animal studies that I don't mind, in the sense that they're actually doing something to make the animals healthier. Mm. They found that with tri- adding tributyrin to the animal feed that these animals significantly put on bulk muscle, lots more muscle. Um, they also stopped a lot of the inflammation and damage. They even stopped a lot of the damage that happened from heat stress and uh, people stopped losing muscle when they're exposed to the elements and that, that sort of stress. An interesting thing is it also found that when you it reduced the likelihood of colitis or gut you know loose stools and gut problems, infections and that sort of stuff. But it also stopped the muscle loss when you did. And I got a little bit excited about that because over all the years of treating athletes, now the travelling gut. You know when you just mm-hmm. travel and just travelling is enough to give you the green apple splatters or for you to lose you know your integrity of your bowels and get looser stools and stuff like that. Um, or leaky gut wall, Mm -hmm. Um, and then when you do that, what happens is you just get this leakiness in the gut wall where all these lipopolysaccharide, these compounds that come out of the microbes just flood your body, and that's inflammatory and that can cause a lot of muscle loss and a muscle fatigue, Mm -hmm. and that's the way when we travel we can lose performance, or it used to be a big problem with racehorses and Mm. that as well, but for athletes to do something when you're traveling to protect your gut lining from the uh, occasional gut upset that might come from stress or bad food or just travel. That's one of the best ways to do it. That wow. and citrulline. The combination of this with citrulline is phenomenal. And so, how would
0: citrulline and say tributrin work together to, you know, bring yeah. uh, bring upon a?
1: That's a impact. really good question because most people look at citrulline. As a, as a source of arginine. Now, citrulline's become just a better way of doing arginine, when arginine was probably the most prescribed amino acid in the sports industry for years. Then they worked out citrulline was a better way of increasing arginine levels, because it didn't get broken down as easily in around the gut. What's interesting is citrulline is made from glutamine. And we know glutamine to be famous for its ability to live in the gut wall, and it maintains the integrity of the gut wall. Mm. But, so this is the problem. So when you're competing, when you're athletic or when you're getting inflammation through your body, the citrulline, it's like a switch. Does your body want arginine right now or does your body want glutamine? So if you can imagine the citrulline being a switch between that. So when you're under stress, when you're performing, when you're doing exercise, that citrulline will switch to arginine. Arginine creates nitric oxide that'll help your exercise performance as a vasodilator, But it's also involved in inflammation if your body's inflamed. So during that instance, citrulline will drive down the arginine process to flush blood out to your extremities. Mm. You don't have enough blood to be everywhere, so in doing that, it actually shuts down the blood supply to your gut via the vagus nerve, shuts down digestion, detox to favour survival instincts. Alternatively, when you're using citrulline, it can actually supplement if you didn't have a big dose of citrulline or just a triple regularly coming through, to make that arginine, you would actually deplete the glutamine out of your gut to do it. Mm-hmm. And so the citrulline becomes a switch, like almost like a safety net. So you can actually load up a state-dependent amino acid. That can decide, based on your priorities that come from your immune system and your autonomic nervous system, whether your priority is rest and digest and maintaining gut integrity or whether your priority is short-term survival and doing vasodilation to get you out of it. and citrulline can be the major catalyst between each one of those pathways because citrulline's gone into a part now where they talk about as a vasodilator so if you want to take citrulline today and get a big pump and you've never taken citrulline before and you'll need about eight grams of citrulline to get the vasodilation effect, like just out of the blue, like force it to happen mm. you know, as part of a pre-workout or something. But if you want to use citrulline for its ability to maintain the vasculature, protect your gut, after your vasodilation and those other systems without just being a direct vasodilation inducer, then you want about one and a half grams of citrulline. is about what you want, up to three grams at the most. And you want that daily mm. rather than having eight grams once off a couple of days a week in a pre-workout. You're better off with a low dose of citrulline every day. It helps to maintain that gut wall. There's even papers on citrulline that actually shows citrulline can stop the loss in muscle strength and also stop muscle loss and damage. Um, associated with gut inflammation and the liberation of lipopolysaccharide. So again, that lipopolysaccharide will destroy your muscle tissue if you let it. Um, and this is where citrulline will come in and protect those tissues by improving the integrity of the gut wall.
0: So, And in saying that, if citrulline can do those really cool things for our muscles, I'm guessing it's also doing some really cool things in terms of if it's a vasodilator as well, but also really good stuff for our recovery processes too. Yeah. So when we want to... You know, we bang ourselves up in the gym or a competition, or, you know, we're lifting weights or we're swimming. As we go to recover, obviously, we want to increase as much blood flow as we possibly can. We want to start, you know, we want to get that lymphatic system moving and even to the point of sleep as well when that lymphatic system is working through the roof. We want to try and expel all of these byproducts or toxins or compounds that are derived from exercise, thought, all these different types of things that we're using and we're finding these byproducts. If our, uh, if our uh, veins and arteries and all of those things are working really, really, really well, we can recover faster? Am I, am yeah, I on the right line? Yeah, 100%. There?
1: I mean, cool. that's that's a lot of it, but plus also our energy efficiency and our ability to burn fuel properly, which I want to talk a lot more about in a sec, but mm. back to that tributrin. Tributrin, when they supplement tributrin as a, to add that level of short-chain fatty acids into our intestine to compensate the fact that we may not be making enough of it because of poor dietary choices poor microbes whatever um when we add in then there's some wicked studies on it hey they showed even in one study this is the type of animal studies i do not like um and i do not think should be done really like they've done a whole of animal studies again to see if tributrin may protect the gut lining from various types of stresses including alcohol binging so in this instance they go through they get mice and rats, and all sorts of animals. Um, they load them up on tributarin daily. But then they, what they do is expose them to alcohol as if they've gone and you know, shot, 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 shot. Mm-hmm. A lot of pissed rats. Just Fridays, they typically do this one. <laughs> um, and, then, and then what they do is they see how much damage gets done to the gut lining and how much done to the liver. And there's like half a dozen studies just straight up on different animals showing that if you take tributyrin regularly, you have high levels of tributyrin in your gut, you can actually reduce the damaging effects from binging on alcohol. Wow. So if you have a look at something like tributyrin, that might as a prophylactic you take it regularly it might help to protect your gut when you're traveling it might help to protect your gut when you're having a a bit of a binge after it if you get exposed to heat shock and that sort of stuff that really causes gut problems and deplete destroys that gut wall it protects you against that as well. Interesting. But then when I had a look at it, it's also one of the major preferred sources of fuel. It can directly drive this mitochondria to produce more energy. It stimulates mitochondrial biogenesis. So what a basic energy warehouse of every cell of our body that where we have our Krebs cycle, the citric acid cycle, all this stuff we're talking about when we have energy production. It's mainly through the mitochondria. And every cell requires an energy warehouse, a battery pack in it to work, you know? Man, there's so much freaky stuff I just keep going through. Because this mitochondria, if you want to just go down a rabbit hole and that sort of stuff, research a mitochondria alone. And the similarities between a mitochondria and a bacteria. Because really? the mitochondria is a bacteria. We, It's like there's a synergistic relationship at some stage where bacteria infected our cells and become an energy source for ourselves. And it worked out and we kept doing it.
0: Wow.
1: So our energy warehouse, they believed to be at one stage of our evolution, was an in part of a bacteria, merging of our cells with a bacteria that created this ability for us to generate more energy per cell wow. that really took us off. And then if you consider, sorry, I get kind of excited and mm. wigged out a bit and start freaking out. But if you consider then tributyrin is a short chain fatty acid, meaning it is an energy production molecule made by bacteria to feed bacteria <laughs> and if we realize that the energy warehouse of every cell of our body is for better for lack of a better definition a bacteria mm. a symbiotic bacteria then it kind of makes sense that this fuel designed for microbiome made by the microbiome is actually feeding our mitochondria wow. and helping our Ability to grow and adapt to physical and mental stress to become better.
0: Wow. Which
1: is also why they're showing it has this gut brain access ability to be smarter, improve nootropic, improve memory. Um, in muscles, it's phenomenal what tributrin has been shown to do. Um, you've satellite cells, satellite you, you know, satellite cells. Yeah. satellite cells. Satellite cells are these weird cells that roam in um, and stimulate extra muscle growth, make more muscle. Yeah. And so when you get damaged muscle, and you stretch the fascia and you get that swelling, again, that's where the the vasodilation, the oxygen and that stuff, story starts getting really cool. Because if you resemble an injury through swelling and stretching of the fascia without necessarily doing an injury, you trigger the same muscle growth, muscle recovery as if you'd broken that muscle and had to rebuild it. Mm -hmm. But if you haven't broken it and you're doing all that rebuilding, that's how you get bigger, stronger Mm -hmm. muscles. So what they found with tributrin, is actually comes through and activates the satellite cell migration to tell the body to build more muscle. And then it also supports more mitochondria per muscle cell. So more energy warehouse, more muscles holding more energy warehouses. And those energy warehouses are designed to use this same stuff as a source of fuel, just like it would use glucose or fat or something like that. Interesting. Isn't that crazy? So
0: so you're saying that tributrin can pretty much turbocharge not only your muscles to increase muscle size but also increase their capacity to generate energy that's game changer for any yeah. athlete wanting to get fitter faster stronger more agile think quicker
1: and it is the compound that does it so meaning that we don't have to give you a precursor that then like we don't give you resistant starch like for example the alternative way make make butyrate is to give you Green banana resistant starch, and hope that you've got a belly full of Akkermansia or something. And then if I do that, you're going to make the butyrate that is going to fuel your exercise performance. If you don't have that right bugs, and you take that green banana resistant starch, you're going to get the farts and the guts and the distension and the bloating because the wrong bugs will get it and convert it into the wrong postbiotic metabolite. And this is what I'm saying, and this is where the loop is beautiful because the bugs that make butyrate are the bugs that also feed on butyrate. So that's why they're making it. And so the cool thing is, is as we supplement your gut with the butyrate sources, it actually increases
0: your ability to have the microbiome that makes more of it yourself. It's so interesting because in saying that, we've spoken about this once before, The, the mitochondria is doing this process in creating energy and the byproducts we're looking to try and trigger a response to recycle those metabolites or the things that come out at the end and put them back into the system yeah like you mentioned once to me before like a turbo we want to try and recycle this energy byproduct as much as we can so we can churn out at higher intensities for longer yeah that's what yeah. We're trying to
1: do. yeah exactly and then if you consider and that's kind of what we're realizing happens you know so when you have a look at all your athletes they do a certain amount of warm-up mm. or warm-up you know we call it um like the footy players They'll run backwards and forwards. They're not warming up, man. These guys are... Look, that, that to me looks like they've done like a fair bit of work. Mm. Um, I'm not, they're not just loosening up and stretching. No, it's and so, priming. Yeah, it's priming and it's engine. the lactate threshold. Mm-hmm. They're priming the engine to get to that thing. And what the lactate threshold technically is, is a point where apparently we've built, accumulated so much waste that we're ready to go. Now, that paradoxically doesn't make sense. And because of the way they always talked about this waste, such things as lactic acid and that being this waste that when it accumulates, it contributes to fatigue. So, why would we work to get to a point of a lactate threshold where we can perform? It doesn't make sense until we realize that we have this we're not a bench top, we're not yogurt, mm. basically. We're more cultured than yogurt. <laughs> um, so. And the reason why I said we're not yogurt is a lot of the anatomy, physiology data in the textbook still talking about lactic acid as if it's in sauerkraut or yogurt and sitting in a jar. But the reality is, as in a human body, this lactic acid, when it builds up to a certain level, lactic acid doesn't really exist. It just goes straight back into the Krebs cycle, where one lactic acid molecule makes two pyruvate molecules, and that pyruvate drives straight back into fuel. So what we're finding is a lot of these things like these short chain fatty acids A lot of these other compounds that support mitochondrial energy production. And you'll see a lot of the old data before they really worked out this redox system, this ability to recycle the waste, just like a turbo engine. Um, The recycle the waste, before they worked that out, oh, I totally lost my train of thought. (laughs) I can edit that bit out when we get there. Um, But what I was saying is with the recycling of the waste, we wanted things that drive up the mitochondrial energy production pathway. And in the papers, you'll see it supports mitochondria. And as a byproduct, it reduces lactate or reduces lactic acid. Mm. Schisandras, pomegranates, and those sort of things, they drive that acid back into the Krebs cycle. When you've got adequate things like citrulline and everything like that, that's also driving the oxygen there through the vasodilation. This is how you get a turbo charge. We actually... Take the unmetabolized waste or the, the incomplete combustion, the fuel that hasn't burnt properly. We drive it back into the cells with a big dose of oxygen to get this bang, big power output. That adds to the efficiency of the energy production in every cell of your body, um, but also reduces the accumulation of the waste that could contribute to poor muscle contractions and uh, ultimately fatigue. But it doesn't do it just by buffering the acid. It does it by utilising that acid as the preferred fuel source, which is now what we've discovered is the preferred fuel source, is actually what we thought was a metabolic waste, just
0: driving it back in. Wow. So it not only works across pathways for, you know, maybe triggering an epigenetic expression, but it also triggers, you know, vasodilation. It also triggers getting the cell to work and increase capacity to work harder and faster and longer and more efficiently. But then it probably also is working along not only that epigenetic pathway too, but then also if we have healthy cells that live a long time, it's increasing the longevity aspect of our whole system at the same time. Yeah. So what we're kind of saying is but if you
1: consider this lactic acid thing sorry to interrupt there, but just on just to add on to that so when you're actually in that lactic acid stage and it's driving through these processes with the mitochondria you learn more you get you're smarter like your memory's better you get proper muscle memory under lactic acid that's why they make the military people get all buggered and then go right build your Now put your, pull your gun apart and put it back together. You can learn things while under stress and under lactic acid that you'll never forget. Heightened, your
0: heightened state of
1: mind? I don't know, survival. I mean, in your body, it's a survival situation and our whole body's about acquiring new techniques all the time to survive. Yes. And so it's like, I did this last time I survived, so let's do it again next time. We'll add that to my repertoire of things that I do when I'm stressed, you know? Interesting. And then, because I survived last time. Um, So if you look at lactic acid improves memory, it improves technique and form. So if you're learning your exercises, you're doing your technique and form while loaded up with the lactates and in that, you actually get better muscle memory. Mm. Um, So then we're looking at lactate also has the ability to convert the white fat, that's our storage form of fat, into the brown fat, which is our burning fat, which is why it's important just to be regularly training and keeping into that level of soreness and tension that we have when we're training regularly to know that your fat cells are constantly exposed to this thing it'll actually convert the white fat that might be marbling through your biceps and reducing your muscle definition into the brown fat that could fuel your exercise interesting yeah it's cool huh
0: far out that that's the the concepts are just insane and i think we're learning so much more about a lot of these especially the gut microbiome and how it plays a role like we, we think i think for a lot of athletes we think, you know, eat some carbohydrates, go work out. Um, you know, eat some protein to and this is making it basic and that's completely fine. Eat some protein to recover and have some fats for, you know, probably most people resemble fats as, you know, maybe a, a source of fuel or a source of brain fuel or um, you know, making sure the integrity of our cells is kept in, in good nick. But what we're finding more and more that it's not just the carbohydrates in for the muscles to work, it's also how efficient and how healthy is your gut microbiome. And this goes back to the holistic approach. It's not just about fueling for performance. It's about being whole as a human to fuel performance. And that comes along if you and this is what we talk about so much as when you're when you're there's there's not much difference between someone who wants to be a high functioning human and an elite athlete. The only difference is to the degree and the hours that you put into doing it. But doing doing the things as a base level as a foundation to be healthy, smart, happy, joyful, and do all the things that you want to do. And then when you want to become an elite athlete, you just do them harder and more intense and for longer. And you might just focus solely on that and be a little bit more um, uh, selfish in a way to get what you want, which is this high performing ultimate you know, vehicle. Now, when we look at those types of things, we you know we might be training for four hours a day instead of going and do our 45 minute or 60 minute class. But in saying that, all of the factors that we need to do all these things are the same, it's just the degree at which you do them. And as a base, and I think we both agree that if the gut microbiome is working holistically with our lifestyle, uh, we have the right bugs, we're fueling that, that gut microbiome with the right fuel, the nutrition, um, the the effects of that, the, the lifestyle, the nutrition, the training, that also then has such a positive effect on the way that we think day to day and how joyful we are. And at the end of the day, it's all about having fun, being joyful, finding excitement, finding what fires you up to get out of bed. And if we're doing all those things, we're on the right track. If you're not doing those things, you're doing yourself a disservice. Mm. And all of these compounds that we're producing in the gut goes such a long way into fueling that performance and, you know, maybe getting a PR next week in the gym or running a faster 5K or just being at a higher base level of happy throughout the day. That's it. Yeah. And that...
1: So for the 25 years being a naturopath, you know, we always taught to, like, find the cause and treat the cause. And the problem is, is that things can take ages, you know, and then it's hard to maintain patient compliance. People want to feel good straight away. But plus... You need the energy to do things like I can tell you, go do those things, you know. But when you come to me as a naturopath and say, my big problem is fatigue, I'm shattered, like I'm waking up tired, I'm going to bed tired, I'm totally unrefreshed." And I come to you and go, man, you know what you need to do? You need to exercise. You need to get up and do this and you need to do that. I'm going to add all this extra stuff. And this person's going, seriously, didn't you listen to me? I told you I've got fatigue. I can't (laughs) even move. I'm flat out lifting my arms. I'm that tired, you know. (laughs) So what excites me about this sort of stuff is for years as a naturopath, we're sitting there going, okay, well, I need you to eat these fermented foods, I need you to eat these precursors, I need to start doing this exercise, you've got to have all the three things happening at once for it to work. Mm. And the problem is, is we never had access to these tools, or we didn't really understand how these tools work to give someone a short term boost. Like, because if I can cut to the chase, if I know that I can fix your fatigue by fixing your gut, fixing your diet, because when I do that, you make this particular compound. If I can just give you that compound now, so you can see how it feels when you take it, see how it feels to have this compound made from my gut and what energy it gives me, then you'll have the energy to do the diet and the exercise that you need to maintain it. Mm -hmm. So when I try to formulate with these sort of things, I always try to make sure that we give someone The feeling that you want now. Yeah. Not in three months time or six months' time. Or not where you're gonna get worse before you get better. Sure. I want you to feel good straight away because I know that's not only the motivation and drive that you need, but it also is the the energy currency you actually need to achieve your homework. Yeah. If you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. So that's where it's really important when you're formulating to not just go, Well, I'm a naturopath and you know, my code of ethics says to treat the cause and all health begins in the gut and blah 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 I'm going to take all these foods off you I'm going to make you eat this way it just doesn't work Mm. people are tired Mm. Um, and so if you can give them the energy immediately you basically can break that vicious cycle that's keeping them in that level of fatigue and stuck in that stress and survival mode allow them to live a quality life while they then live that lifestyle that they need to have the adaptation that we want, which is the genetic expression, the epigenetic expression, which will change their body composition, build muscle, burn fat, support these sort of processes and
0: improve physical mental performance. Interesting, and maybe promote that motivation at the same time as feeling good to continue on with that journey of feeling better. Yeah. It's just like, it's kind of like getting a run up to go up a ramp and you don't quite get over the top because you don't have enough energy to get over the top. But if we can get you over the top of that hill, then it's like smooth sailing after that. Yeah,
1: yeah. It's like a lot of things, like in business and that they always talk, you know, zero to one is the hardest bit. You can go from one to a hundred real quick. Yeah. You know that overnight success that took me 10 years to get to that point. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, that's if we can cut to the chase, so that zero to one, which is that treating the cause, just to get someone into a base, stable state, good foundation to which to launch from, if we can reduce that and give someone some results straight away, Mm. it changes absolutely everything. Because yeah. you get to feel what it feels like. Interesting. You know?
0: Well, I've got a question that has actually just come through um, for us to, for me to ask you yeah. on the pod. And someone wanted to ask about how would they go about treating microcolitis? Oh. Let's go.
1: Yeah. So basically, the problem is with a lot of these things with the itises on the end, it's an inflammatory condition. Mm-hmm. When we look at inflammation in the colon in particular, what happens? We get this mucousy layer. And it's irritating. It gets across that mucous membrane, makes it harder for the enzymes and everything to go, it makes it harder for the nutrients to be absorbed. Then everything basically gets flushed through. The key is initially is to break the cycle. And this is my advice on this is usually opposite to what everyone else says. So <laughs> definitely go seek the advice of a, uh, put in all the disclaimers and don't take the <laughs> advice of this clown on a podcast over your healthcare professional or face to face. But what I typically do is I reduce the amount of things that potentially can ferment in the lower intestine to try to break the cycle, reduce the amount of slimy stuff. So the weird thing is, is my initial protocol for those is to actually reduce most complex carbohydrates, which is the reason why I said that's weird advice is because they usually go into the doctor saying, you should eat a bland diet, just the basic food. That's the sort of words they say, too. It's like, what the hell is a bland diet? What's a basic food? Yeah, I think of rice. Yeah, exactly, which is a complex carb (laughs) and typically a resistant starch. And if you've got the wrong gut bugs, it's more likely to ferment and make more of the inflammatory mediators. Rice, potato, all these other starches, the legumes, oats, they're the things I'll often avoid. I'll tell these people to stop because it can often reduce the amount of mucus they've got in the lower part of the colon. Um, And in that instance, I'll tell them to basically eat fruit, veg, Fruits, vegetables, nuts, seeds, yep. eggs, cheese, meat, seafood, that sort of stuff, like yep. getting away from the complex grains until we can get rid of some of that inflammation in the lower bowel often breaks a cycle. The other thing I recommend them always to do is do some sort of a test, on, you know, like a microbe inside test, or some sort of a, a microbiome genome test to see if there's any particular nasty culprits that may be triggering it. Klebsiella and Clostridium are ones that are often missed, and E. coli, because they're normal bugs. But so we need to do a test to see the doses, which is why I say the genome tests are good because they tell you if you've got an overgrowth or something that you need to kill. But often you can't tell that until you break the cycle by taking away the complex carbs. Because otherwise everything shows up really high, really active, because you're feeding everything. Cool. You slow down that, you break the cycle, often that's all you need to do, and it can start things to work again. That's super yeah, cool. Yeah, but nice. um, otherwise, the way to fix it, you know, supplemental-wise, would be to use those short-chain fatty acids. Yeah. So getting into postbiotic, this is why I'm so excited about postbiotics. Because what a postbiotic is, I get a fibre, I I specifically select the bugs that I know will feed on that fiber and take it down a particular pathway. And you can almost custom make a postbiotic matrix, meaning that I can create a combination of butyrates and other enzymes, other molecules, vitamins, nutrients, and everything in this postbiotic matrix. Aminos? Aminos. Yeah yeah, amino's branch chain amino acids in a recent study even showed that the insulin resistance associated with branch chain amino acids, yeah, you know, the diabetes that can come from high levels of branch chain amino acids in your bloodstream typically is made by when you eat too much of it and your gut bugs are already making it. Mm. So if you've already got a gut bug microbiome profile that makes branch chain amino acids pumping it constantly into your bloodstream and then you're sipping on branch chains as well, um, between meals thinking it's going to have a muscle sparing effect or something like that. They're all adding to this pool of stuff that competes with sugar to mm. be burnt as a source of fuel. Mm. Yeah, so Heaps of cool data about this now with these postbiotic metabolites because we're now realising this is how one man's medicines another another man's poison. Or well, this is how you can have 80% of stuff right and not get results, maybe even getting worse because mm-hmm. you've got to have that right combination of the microbiome with the food Work with your genetics, so there's a fair bit of trial and error in it, but at the end of the day, nature knows best, and we seem to be coming back across these awesome patterns.
0: It's interesting because I've I've done a couple of fasts in the past just for for fun and just for the experience. Like most of the stuff I do these days is for the experience, see what it's like. And from what I can tell, it's like when you kind of charge a phone, you're kind of told when you first get your phone when you're a kid, it's just like charge it up, charge it all the way all the way to the top, yep. and then let it run all the way out before you charge it again. If you kind of, kind of constantly leave it, you know, at 45 to 55%, you keep it bangs out the 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 battery inside the phone. Yeah. So I was listening to someone talk the other day about, you know, this amino acid pool that we have constantly flowing throughout the body. And if we're constantly just topping up on aminos on a regular, regular basis, we're not only doing some damage to our You know, DNA and our cellular integrity, um, but it also might be pushing against that longevity aspect. Whereas, if we can, you know, let it run out, let the gut microbiome supply a lot of what we need and and not overdo it, we're not clogging up the system and we're not pulling up the handbrakes every time we're getting a, you know, a buildup and a a blockage somewhere. Mm. We're kind of letting it, you know, uh, work its way down and then we top up, work its way down and we top up. And a lot of people talk about that with diet too. Yeah. Fuel up before you train. Yep. Fast until you want to train again fuel up before you fuel up before you train and then fast until you have to do something next yeah, time instead yeah. of like fueling 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 fueling, because you might be just you know it. the energy might seem like it's life giving because it does give you energy but we kind of almost we can probably run on a little bit less than maybe what we think but as long as we're getting the right yeah. quality phytonutrients at the same time not feeding ourselves food like food
1: yeah <laughs> and that's a in fact, that's a big point now that it's starting to very basically, you know, we've got this big problem with everyone getting diabetes or b- elevated blood sugar problems. And a lot of it's just the fact that they're not depleting the sugar out of their cells. So like we're talking about having too much sugar in your bloodstream and like Why would I have too much sugar in my bloodstream, especially when I've just woken up and I haven't eaten for like 12 hours? My fasting blood glucose is high? That's crazy. You know that's not from the meal you ate the day before. That's just the body's making this glycogen and releasing it as glucose. But if you haven't burned the stored glycogen out of some of your skeletal muscle and out of your liver, well, where's it gonna go? It's gotta go somewhere and then it'll typically go to fat otherwise. Um, and if you're stressed, it'll keep it in your bloodstream a bit longer. But even, so this is the other thing too, you we're talking about those short-chain fatty acids and this tributyrin as a source of fuel. Like if you go through and you do a shoulder workout or something, for example, you'll deplete the glycogen out of those smaller muscle bundles relatively quickly. They'll fatigue out pretty quickly. You can't recruit glycogen from another muscle to put it into that muscle. It just moves on to a different fuel source. And that's when we can start looking at um, short chain fatty acids and those sort of other ketones or whatever, um, which is interesting because the ketones we're talking about is beta hydroxybutyrate. Um, so it's almost the same molecule. The difference between a ketone and a short chain fatty acid butyrate is that ketones typically made in the liver. You know, and that's sort the of stuff out of the byproducts of burning fat to actually liberate it as a source of fuel. But that butyrate molecule is the, the, the common feature that's running through as these ultimate fuel sources for ourselves.
0: Interesting. So
1: you'll deplete the glycogen out of the muscles. So with even with my um, polycystic ovarian customers and that, that I used to deal with, anyone with insulin resistant syndromes. The one thing I did consistently with them is I split their diets around, where I basically got them to focus on exercise that would deplete their glycogen. Mm -hmm. It was all about keeping them glycogen depleted all day, if I could. Mm. So deplete your glycogen early, just with exercise and that sort of stuff. don't replenish it. Don't utilize the glycogen windows to replenish your glycogen, you know. So just keep it low, like eating protein and fats mm-hmm. and fiber and that sort of stuff all day. But the key was to backload at night. So what we do then is say, where most people might be thinking a healthy diet would be your carbs in the morning and then don't eat any carbs after a certain time of day and then deplete it and then you, I don't understand that. But with the polycystic and it was the opposite. We go protein, fats and fiber all day and then we allow them to have all their carbs before bed. And they're like, what, are you serious? I can have like cream rice, or I can have like my dessert, I can have like a... And I say, yeah, yeah, don't do it all day, but before bed, you can load back up, you load up all your glycogen again, get a nice big serotonin rush, have a really nice deep sleep. But then the key is, is, it's when you're eating through the day, we want you to be glycogen depleted. So you never get these spikes of insulin. And that's how we break the insulin resistance cycles, through exercise, and staying glycogen depleted for majority of the day. At night you're not sleeping, or you're not eating. So it's fine for you to have a good levels of sugars at night to reload your glycogen so you can fuel a good deep sleep. Mm. Otherwise you stay stress mode all night, you wake up in the morning and then you start this cycle of insulin and carbs.
0: I have heard yeah. that eating some carbs before bed is a really good way to put you into a nice restful deep sleep. Yeah, hell yeah man, and shagging too. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. a different podcast. But yeah, I actually want to talk about another podcast. Yeah, I'm shit gonna, yeah. yeah. Um, one of the other things that I was thinking about as well, um, and this comes back to a couple of ingredients that I have listened to, heard about, don't know much about, but I want to ask you about. Yeah. Niacinamide? Yep. Riboflavin? Yeah, yeah. Hit me.
1: Yeah, basic nutrients, essential... I don't want to say basic. These are essential compounds for the Krebs cycle. Our energy production pathway requires them. You'll hear a lot of this stuff about... N A D H and N A D and F A D and F A D H and Um N M and M MN and M M and I can't say it, you know what I mean? Yep. Nucleid, nicotinamide. one of I can't I forgot everything today. M and M and M. That sort of stuff. And they're all getting banned and restricted and FDA's taken on. They're all basically problems that we have if we have a deficiency of B two and B threes. That basic B vitamins, if we don't have it. And the other thing with basic B vitamins, they're water soluble. So they're the things that you do need to top up. You don't store them. So if they're not coming through, then you just run out. And we have very little doses, Like we don't need much. But we need it regularly. We need it consistently. You have a day where it's gone, you don't have it, you can't do those things. Mm. That's what I talk about with essential. You can't make it. You can't compensate for it. So most of these studies that are showing people benefiting from NADH supplementation and NMNs and all these flash supplements that drive the Krebs cycle, most of those people have got a temporary deficiencies of these basic B vitamins. So before you go bother, doing these expensive compounds that drive a particular function for that make sure you've got enough of that vitamin to do all of its functions and top that up in its most basic form mm. that's why i love adding those basic things and you'll find with athletes in particular or people that stress a lot think a lot people that are gone through phases of increased physical mental demand it's these water-soluble nutrients that they're depleting at such a fast rate because these things are are catalysts for reactions meaning that they'll stimulate the process of a conversion into a neurotransmitter or a conversion of one fuel source to another fuel source to liberate the energy that we need and this is where they're used up so quickly and so so frequently and there's so many pathways happening all the time but when we're stressed when we're busy when you're extra doing a bit extra you deplete through them so much faster when you're sweating more when you're drinking more and when more and all that sort of stuff that you do when you're a busy athlete or an entrepreneur or something like that. These are the things that you will run out and from one day to another if you're feeling I thought I was going really good, I was getting so fit and now today I'm flat. Sometimes it's those little basic water-soluble vitamins that you've just missed. Um, not not the big things, but these little things.
0: I feel that for yeah. sure. And, and
1: minerals think... are the same. Mm. Like when we're looking at colloidal minerals and ratios between these minerals, even the big ones, you know, like the electrolytes and that, because they control all the electrical charges. They're going to determine the positive and negative charges around your cells. And that determines where the water lives. You know, and that can often determine from one day to the next if you're waking up with your cells feeling full and plump and round. Like grapes or if they're like a sultana and nothing in there Mm. you know and that's where minerals and vitamins these water soluble nutrients that determine the ratios between intracellular extracellular water where we're dragging the nutrients and they also regulate all the positive and negative charges that run inside and outside our cells which is our how
0: our energy production works excellent so a lot of these things in my mind, just looking at this from um, a standpoint that I want to try and be, you know, up and ready on the go every day. I want to, I want to work out. I want to go and work. I want to go and do these fun things. The lifestyle is a daily occurrence. Like that's like we need to live the lifestyle and on a daily basis. We can't live the lifestyle for you know, a healthy lifestyle for five days a week and then screw it over the weekend. Mm. Same thing goes with nutrition. It has to be on, it has to be part of that lifestyle that we're getting topped up on a regular basis. It's like we need to breathe every, you know, probably, hopefully, no more. We're not breathing every two seconds, but we're breathing every 10 seconds or so. And then we want to make sure that we're topping up on all of these essential, um, soluble vitamins that we're probably not getting on a regular basis, and minerals. So this is a daily thing that we want to do. Yeah. You know, seeking sunlight on a daily basis to make sure we can, um, you know, we're getting that first bit of morning sun, making sure that we can doze off and go to bed. And everything seems to be on a regular basis, a little bit of citrulline every day, yeah. a little bit of uh, these short-chain fatty acids every day. We're just, it's not like a do it for a day hard and then screw it for two weeks. Yeah, exactly. Because then you're gonna feel shit for two weeks.
1: And that's what I've always struggled with a lot of the research that's driving for ingredients for pre-workouts. Mm. because they're designed to have an effect once off. We're just going to bang, throw this in, and see what happens in this performance.
0: So it skyrockets you and then leaves you in the lurch later?
1: Yeah, or it's all totally irrelevant. If you did an 8-gram dose of citrulline every day, for example, it's going to totally screw around with your kidneys and your ability to actually manage arginine levels because you're going to have this constant precursor for your arginine release. We don't know what happens if we backlog the glutamine. Glutamine is also a precursor to a lot of other things like ornithines and whatever. So I don't like the idea of screwing around with anything in too high a dose. Mm. Um, And in nature, these things are never found in that dose, isolated, singular. They're always part of a protein food that has a variety of amino acids in certain ratios. Often even these things are found within, joined within a peptide together, you know, like... That they get absorbed whole, not even working as single amino acids. So I like the idea of using the relatively lower doses, more in line with what's in nature, and as part of a healthy, normal diet, where this is not your sole source of nutrition. You're also having other sources of protein that will compensate for the other amino acids. Same with the B vitamins. It's always better to take a B complex, but it's not always the place to put a full B complex in every product. Mm. Because we're going to overdose on certain things, and certain things we need to be just... B2 and B3, for example, might make a place into an energy production pathway, but you wouldn't necessarily have to put the whole B complex into that. But throughout your day, throughout your diet, you definitely need the exposure to the full B complex. You know so what I mean? So interesting. Yeah, it gets tricky, but the thing is, is um, you want to have a wicked strategy where you have a short-term boost and benefit and gives you what you need to break that cycle that mm. you're stuck in or to get you to that next level of your training or commitment to your diet you mm. need the energy to do that which is why you need that's why i love things like now you know, or that sort of stuff that'll come in as an energy source that's not just a carb or a protein yeah you know, it comes yeah. in it's a good catalyst to force things to happen like fuels the process that yeah. we want to do then yeah. loading up with b vitamins and minerals and that sort of stuff that hydrates into those cells, it just gets all that charge happening, just runs, just fires it up, Wake it gets a spark happening. Things like schisandra, that's like a beautiful adaptogenic herb. Then when you're stressed and anxious, it'll calm you down. If you're down and flat, it picks you up. But knowing that it does that by making your fuel efficiency better. And this is why when you read about schisandra, schisandra is such a great herb because it'll go brilliant for your brain. Bruin for your lungs bruin for your liver brewing for your muscles brilliant for your vasculature hey it's really good for your heart my god we've got fertility studies on it you know i mean it's good for everything oh not surprised every cell has an energy warehouse a mitochondria and if shasandra is improving the efficiency of that energy production within that cell wherever that cell may be found shasandra may be tonifying that organ and that this is, is how shasandra is so cool to cover so many things because it improves the efficiency the energy production and everything reducing the metabolic waste created and improving the energy efficiency of that cell so the cell works better which is why your brain works better lung works better liver works better those sort of things work better when you're using a food like chisandra
0: wow that is mind-blowing yeah
1: pomegranate pomegranate i love it now pomegranate juice has an acute short-term effect as a source of a nitrate where it works like a citrulline to support nitric oxide vasodilation but that's the short-term acute effects of pomegranate, which is why when they do studies on pomegranate juice with cyclists or something can show improvement there. Pomegranate also contains these things called ellagitannins, which are precursors. Of after the bugs feed on ellagitannins, they convert them into these compounds called urolithins. Urolithins is the magic that's found in things like shilajit, pomegranate, maca, a lot of these things, um, oak barrels, fermented foods, and that sort of stuff. Um, you know, the old Scotches and whiskeys and red wines, they all contain urolithins. and urolithins stimulate mitochondrial biogenesis. They help the mitochondria to have more mitochondria per cell, so you're capable of recycling more of that waste and making more clean and efficient energy. So it's kind of cool when you start looking at these wicked things that you can easily incorporate into a protocol where you'll get acute effects, like now, and then over time, you get better. As opposed to using some sort of a pharmaceutical agent or some sort of a bullshit stimulant or something that's going to give you the acute effects now but make you worse over time, mm. this is the sort of thing that can give you acute effects now and then makes you gradually better over time. It's the sort of thing you want to be doing daily, not the sort of thing you want to be doing just three times a week.
0: You know, I'm so fired up about it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Oh my god, that makes me excited. Far out. That was pretty cool, man. It's super cool. Those like, so I think we're on the. I think we're on the wavelength here, or the um the frequency now that a lot of people are talking about. Number one short-chain fatty acids and the compounds, those postbiotics that are mm. doing freaking wonders for the body. Um, we're looking into holistic health, which is now going to be popping up as epigenetics throughout the oh, throughout yeah. the next couple of years. Anti-aging? and anti-
1: epigenetic aging now? Yeah. Epigenetic is the science word for holistic. Yep. So all us naturopaths have been saying it for years. Now the medical scientific world wants to get in on it. They're going, we can't use their word. They're going to go, I told you so. Yeah. So they have got no, it's
0: epigenetic expression. So And that, on top of it anyone that's looking to be a high performer in any field regardless of whether i'm not talking about competition field but you know um high performer on a day-to-day basis as a dad or a mum, high performance uh human in general high performance athlete high performance business person high performance entrepreneur you're looking to get in quality nutrients on a regular basis you're looking to turbocharge, making sure you're getting You know, your microbiome in check, your lifestyle in check, your training in check, your nutrition's on point, making sure you're doing all the right things as nature intended, sunlight, rest, breath, all these things compile to turbocharging your whole being, making you feel happy.
1: And that's your crew.
0: Yeah. You know, meaning
1: you're, you're, you're awesome and you want to be awesomer. Yeah. There's also a whole other group there that's sick of feeling tired and just tired of feeling sick that are sitting just below par, that just need that little bit of something, something to get them to break the cycle. So that they're capable of even considering taking on to that next step of being, a high performing entrepreneur or a high performing domestic executive or goddess, or you know what I mean, or yeah. an everyday athlete, weekend warrior. And that's know?
0: something I think gets overlooked a lot. And I yeah. think the majority of people are probably sitting in this day and age yeah. on that side yeah. of the hill. Yeah, yeah. And we want to try.
1: Subclinical. Yeah. They're, they're going in testing things, going, oh no, you're, you're within the range you know, you're perfectly fine. And you've got this symptom picture that suggests you're something not quite right, Mm. um, but you're within the range. So we'd let's just keep testing and waiting for you to get a disease. (laughs) Yeah. So for the people that just need a little bit of oomph to break the cycle, this is the sort of stuff that's really gonna benefit them because it's too slow and long a process to work by changing over the whole gut
0: microbiome, diet, lifestyle, and the whole holistic system before they start feeling change. And it's compounding in any direction. If you let them go longer, it's harder to break that cycle. And mm. if we can get them out of that cycle earlier, then we'll compound in the right direction faster. So I think, uh, I think we're on the on the right wavelength here. And I think a lot of people are going to start really seeing these postbiotic short-chain fatty acids, all these really cool compounds, seeing it just slip into mainstream chat more and more and more. Yeah, yeah. And
1: getting about. a bit annoyed with the quick fix, you know, like yeah, I think it's only so many days you can wake up and use a an artificial stimulant or something to pretend to give you energy.
0: Until you hit a wall and you're just like, oh, shit, now I'm really in the hole.
1: And we don't have much of these sort of concepts in Western medicine, but in Ayurvedic or in traditional Chinese medicine, you know, we'll talk about the Rosaranias or we'll talk about the kidney jings and that sort of stuff, or we'll talk about the overflowing cup or the empty cup where most people are hovering between overflowing or empty, Mm -hmm. you know, where they're either anxious and inflamed or they're fatigued and buggered, Mm -hmm. you know. So this is the the challenge that we have is most people are kind of hovering in a state of dysfunction or dis-ease. Mm. Not in disease, but disease. Yeah. You know, and in this instance, sometimes just something to break
0: the cycle is all they need. Yeah. It's freaking wild. Well guys, it. yeah. We're gonna we're gonna wrap that up. Episode sixteen of the Fiber Performance podcast talking about all the cool stuff. We will see you guys next time. We have a, a really cool guest jumping on for our next podcast, so we're excited to bring it out to you soon. Thanks so much for listening and we'll see you next time. Woohoo!